Welcome to CFO 4.0, the future of finance. The CFO role is changing rapidly, moving from cost controller to strategic visionary. And with every change comes opportunity. We are here to help you take advantage of this transition to win at work, drive your career forwards and lead with confidence. Join Hannah Monroe, Managing Director of ITAS, a financial transformation consultancy, as she interviews key experts to give you real-world advice and guidance on how to transform your processes, people and data. Welcome to CFO 4.0, the future of finance. So hello everybody and welcome to this episode of CFO 4.0. With me today is Ian Stewart, a Chief Economist at Deloitte and um, leader of the CFO's quarterly survey. So welcome Ian, it's fantastic to have you on the show. Oh well thank you for having me. Well, I'm very excited because obviously you started, we're just chatting before the show and you happened to mention that obviously you started or you were involved in the starting and launch of the CFO survey. So, um, and that was quite a few years ago, whether you want to admit to it on the podcast, it's up to you. (laughs) Um, But tell us a bit about, you know, what started it and, you know, what you've learned um, over the last few years. Yeah, well, um, yeah, it reminds me of just how old I am, actually, when you asked me about how long this thing's been going. But I, so just by way of background, I, I, I previously worked um, at a U.S. investment bank. I was the chief economist for Merrill Lynch in Europe. And when I came to Deloitte, which was in 2006, just before the financial crisis, I, one of the things that I felt about the way that we understood the economy was that we did not have a clear understanding of how uh, chief financial officers, the people who actually controlled the finances of the largest companies in the UK, how their thinking was evolving. And I, I, I you know, I've, I've been working in economics for about 20 years prior to this. And the UK is full of surveys. There are lots and lots of surveys, but nobody had thought to ask CFOs about their preferences. And I thought this was a very big gap in yeah, from an economist's point of view, in understanding of the economy, but I also felt that it would be a it would be kind of valuable to CFOs themselves to have a sense of how um, their peers were thinking about the world. And I teamed up with somebody called Margaret Ewing, who was a very uh, senior partner at Deloitte um, at the time on our exec. And Margaret was doing a lot of work with CFOs, and I came to her with the idea of setting up a survey. And we set up, I think, in two, early 2007. Um, and, um, yeah, I, mean, well, I don't know if the timing was fortuitous or not, but it was just before the financial crisis. So we, we, if you're running a survey, you want to have a lot of amplitude in the, in the results. You want the, the data, the, you want the results to go up and down, and my goodness, they went down. Um, in a very big way, you can imagine, um, in 2008. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that, that's really the, the background. And, I mean, what we've found is that it's proved of, of great interest to CFOs themselves, to policymakers, people at the Bank of England and the Treasury, um, um, and to uh, economists and people who are trying to understand what is going on in the corporate sector. 
And it's it's um, the quarterly survey, isn't it? So it's what run um, a couple of times a year. And you were just saying that you're currently collecting the results for the next one. So when's the next one due out? Yeah, the next one is due out on the 12th of, of July. It's yeah, quarterly survey, so four a year. Um, I mean, my goodness. I um, So that means that we are on something like the, we're heading to the 50th, 50th survey. Um, and, you know, the thing about a survey is that the more data you've got, this is from an economist's point of view, but the more data you've got, the more value you get. And the value of a survey is also um, uh, dependent, I mean, pretty much wholly dependent on the quality of your panel, your sample. So what you want is a, a, a large and a representative sample. And you want a particular person to fill in the survey. I mean, it's interesting. Most surveys tend to be filled in by pretty much anyone who's around. We actually, this is filled in by CFOs themselves or actually their, 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 their nominees. So we set great store by this. Um, and it, I, I think it, you know, it is, I mean, I, I, I think the, you know, the Bank of England has taken a great deal of interest in this survey because I think through the financial crisis and through all the volatility that we've seen over the last decade or so, and of course with the pandemic, the views of, um, uh, financial officers are absolutely crucial in determining the behavior of, of, of companies. Um, so yeah, we're going to be, I'm be really interested to see this next survey in early July. The last one, uh, about three months ago, what utterly shot out the lights. I mean, we were expecting a strong survey. It was, uh, the strongest survey on, on record and um, reflecting the, you know, the, the, uh, why the, um, uh, all these the vac- vaccine rollout, um, and a kind of improving, improving backdrop. It'll be interesting to see whether in July we get yet a still higher, higher reading because the economy's strengthened appreciably since we last did the survey. And just to put this into context for our listeners, then, when you say a strong survey, as in there's a positive feel to those that are filling out the survey in terms of where they think the economy is going, or what do you, or the actual strength of the the quality of the information that you're gathering? Okay, so let, let, let me forget the, the the quality of the information. I would say is high because we will typically uh, survey. Um, around about 100, 110 CFOs. Now, these are the CFOs of the largest UK-based companies. And so, actually, they're not just listed companies. There are private equity companies. Um, there are very large subsidiaries of foreign companies. But actually, the listed companies typically account for or uh, around about 20% of the entire equity market. So these, these are very, very big businesses. So, yeah, the, the quality of the sample is, is, is high. And when I say a strong survey, what I mean is in terms of sentiment. So how do you feel about the financial position of your business compared to three months ago? But I also mean, in ter- we ask a question on risk appetite. Is now a good time to take risk? And I think if you're a CFO you know, or a CEO, arguably you know, the biggest question you face is how do you feel about taking risk? Um, we then ask about what are your balance sheet strategies? Are you doing things that are defensive, like cutting costs and building up cash, reducing debt? Or are you doing things which are expansionary, like doing M&A, uh, CapEx, introducing new products? So the idea is that we're looking at how the external environment, economic, financial conditions, how markets are growing, and how that is feeding into the decisions 
that CFOs are making about how they run the balance sheet and the finances of, of, of the business. So from what you're saying there, obviously, there was a quite a strong and positive sentiment coming out of the last survey. And obviously, there's been quite a few industries that have been affected um, in terms, you know, think about hospitalities, etc. Mm-hmm. Are you still seeing that sentiment there? Or is there still a challenge in those particular industries? Well, we actually, we, we do not break down our survey results by, by sector because um, for, for reasons of confidentiality. But um, I think what you can see, if you look at the UK economy, you divide it into three three categories. There are the sectors which had a very modest uh, downturn, um, and are now where output is 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 back to or higher than where where it was before the pandemic. And so that that is things like um, information, communications, um, technology, the financial sector, real estate, areas like water supply, electricity. So those have been resilient. You've then got sectors which took a really big hit during the downturn and have recovered very strongly. And that's things like construction and manufacturing. And then, as you say, Hannah, there are the sectors you know, like arts and entertainment, recreation, hospitality, leisure, which had a big fall and have not fully recovered. So they've still got a lot of ground to make up. So I think you're absolutely right that, you know, as economists, we tend to deal in high-level characterizations of the economy. So actually, uh, we are shortly going to upgrade our GDP forecast for the UK, which is big stuff. You know, we, we think the UK economy is going to grow by over 7% this year, which would be one of the strongest readings in a very, very long time. Um, but that is consistent with some sectors and clearly some companies doing relatively relatively poorly, some absolutely shooting out the lights. And I think, you know, people talk about K-shaped recoveries, i.e. a recovery where, you know, we, we, which which combines distress in some sectors and very strong growth in others. And actually, most recoveries are K-shaped and this one will be no, no different. And you were talking about sort of balance sheet strategies and, you know, what you're seeing in terms of how CFOs are, you know, looking to approach, certainly from the last survey, the next couple of months. What what did you see from that perspective? What were, what were the outcomes of the survey? Yeah, well, I mean, basically what we've found over the last 12 years, and I don't think this is, this is a massive revelation, but it's um, what you see is that when sentiment falls, as it did in the financial crisis and um, with the pandemic, and my goodness, it, it, it absolutely evaporated on both occasions. Um, the, the way in which CFOs want to run their businesses' finances change, and they focus on ways of protecting the business against uncertainty, vol- volatility, and weak demand. And so they, the, you know, the focus is on, you know, if you can't grow your, uh, vol- your revenues, um, and you don't want to expand because you don't anticipate demand, then how do you control costs? Can you, you know, are there levers you can pull to cut costs? Can you uh, increase the amount of cash on your balance sheet, which is effectively a way of protecting yourself against uncertainty? So you're building up a cushion of cash. And you know, do you look at the, your, the financing of your business to try to reduce financing costs? Do, do, you, do you restructure your finances? And this is exactly what happened in the financial crisis and 
we saw exactly the same thing in the pandemic. This shift to being really battening down hatches, um, reducing risk, protecting the business. And it, you know, clearly last year, uh, when the lockdown hit, this was an existential crisis for, you know, for very many businesses. Um, and, you know, this, this is, you know, I, I'm just an economist, but, you know, we, we, we've just lived through the, the biggest economic downturn in recorded history, which goes back 300 years. So, you know, CFOs were absolutely on the sharp end of that. And as the economy has started to recover with the vaccine rollout, though the sentiment has improved, and the way in which companies and CFOs want to run their balance sheets has shifted, and it shifted towards growth and um, expanding capacity um, and building the business. So the, I mean, I was just looking before, before we spoke, I was just looking at some of the data, but suddenly cost control has dropped right down the list of priorities. Investment has gone up the list of priorities. M&A has risen up the list of priorities. And growing the business has risen up the list of priorities. So I guess the, the, the picture that we have, which I think will be um, even stronger possibly when we produce our next survey, is of a corporate sector which is gearing up for very strong growth. And, you know, for me, what makes this survey fascinating is that I am constantly sort of comparing what we're seeing in the macro economy with financial markets with what CFOs are doing. And what CFOs are doing is very consistent with what we're thinking about growth. You know, so as I say, you know, we, 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 we think in the UK in the second and third quarters of this year, the UK economy may grow by, well, as much as it would normally grow in about four years. So you get four years growth packed into the, into six months. And you, you know, one of the, one of the things about that is CFOs are getting worried about inflation because you can imagine all of this demand, lots of pent-up demand from consumers is hitting the economy and supply is reduced and prices are starting to rise. So that's one of the things I'm going to be really focused on in the next survey is how do CFOs see the outlook for inflation? Because there's certain sectors, isn't there, that's already really experienced that construction, I think, is one of them that in terms of building materials and that supply piece as well. So I think that's starting to to, to show itself in, in in the current environment as well, isn't it? It, it, it most definitely is. Yeah, it's um, I mean, I think I think what we've got is two things going on. One is just supply bottlenecks. So, you know, frankly, six months ago, it looked like you know, things were very, very bleak and nobody was investing. You know, some businesses were closing down. And all of a sudden, demand has gone from, you know, the floor to up here. And um, there just isn't the production. So if you look at um, semiconductors, which are the, you know, the, the kind of building blocks of so many modern consumer products, including cars, there's a chronic global shortage of semiconductors. And that's that means that a lot of car uh, auto manufacturers are having to um, idle factories because they can't produce cars because they haven't got the semiconductors. And you're absolutely right. Construction has been absolutely on the sharp end of this. That is in large part because commodity prices have risen very sharply. So in the States, the timber price has risen about fourfold. If you look at copper prices, uh, if you look at you know, the price of freight, um, 
these things have absolutely exploded. So that's feeding through into areas like construction. Um, it's uh, having a big effect in manufacturing. Um, but we're seeing it sort of spilling over into other factors, uh, other sectors. Um, I, was, I was talking to somebody who runs a big restaurant chain who in London who was, who was telling me that um, their food prices have risen about 30% since the start of the year. And the question then becomes, well, if you're running a business and you're facing higher input costs, do you raise your prices or do you try to, you know, do you take a, a margin squeeze or do you try to cut costs in your business? So it, this is, this is a really important question if you're running the Bank of England, because their job is to control inflation and keep it at 2%. And if CFOs collectively are responding to these higher costs by raising prices, then that will have an effect on inflation and the Bank of England's ability to, um, uh, to, to control inflation. And actually, we've worked very closely over the years with the bank on the survey. They help, they give us a lot of advice, um, on setting it up. I mean, it's our, it's our survey. So they're, they're not in any way responsible for, um, for it. But, um, we do include some questions in the survey, which the Bank of England have asked us to ask. And one of the things they ask us to ask every quarter is what the CFOs think the outlook for inflation is, because they want to know what chief financial officers think is going to happen to inflation. My guess is that CFOs will think inflation is going up <laughs> quite a bit over the next <laughs> year or so. Absolutely. And so, so what are the, so in this particular survey that's coming up, um, that you're doing at the moment, where, where, what other areas are you focusing on in terms of questions and what, you know, what, what are you looking for answers to in the next one? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's a really, it's a really good question. I mean, the, um, I, I'd say, well, a number of things. One is, are we seeing a fading of Brexit effects? Now, you know, were it not for the pandemic, we would have spent the last six months talking about nothing but Brexit. But yeah, as it is, we've had, had bigger fish to fry. But what we've seen with our survey since the referendum in 2016 is that CFOs um, have been very concerned about Brexit. It's been their number one worry. So we asked them what they're most worried about. Brexit's been absolutely the top of that list until April of last year when it was supplanted by the pandemic. And what we saw in our um, survey earlier this year is that with the UK leave, having actually left the EU, Brexit has dropped right down the worry list. So they're, they're worrying more about other things like inflation, you know, like uh, the risk of, uh, a, 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 you know, another wave of the pandemic and so on. And the other thing is that we've seen that CFOs, um, you know, a year ago were telling us that they were holding back on investment and hiring because of Brexit. And um, in the latest survey, they that, that kind of dampening effect from Brexit reduced a lot. So it'll be interesting to see whether that continues. That's, that's an area. Another area for us is whether um, as the pandemic eases, you know, we've got the You've got the Delta variant, which, you know, we all know is increasing very rapidly. The planned easing of lockdown on the 21st of June has been postponed by at least a month. Um, we are interested, or, you know, eager to see whether CFOs, whether this has made CFOs a little bit more cautious about investment, a little bit more cautious about the return to work. So we want to understand that. We've also, we're also asking a new, new question. So 
very rarely do we introduce new questions because we, you know, we could, we, there are only so many questions you could possibly dare ask people who are as busy as this, but we have introduced a new one, which relates to climate because we feel that climate has become something which is, um, long since escaped, uh, you know, ESG, that label, it's become a sort of board level concern and something which is, you know, having in many businesses having quite a big effect on the way in which, um, sort of finances and the business are being run. So we're asking about, about climate. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have to say as an economist, you know, I, I, we, we get quite excited. I probably shouldn't admit this. Actually, should I? We get quite, quite excited, um, seeing these numbers because for us, this is, this is like being able to look inside the workings of the economy and see the people who are responsible for, you know, an awful lot of hiring and the investment. Um, an awful lot of the growth that this economy produces to understand what what they are what they are thinking. Yeah, absolutely. It must be like looking inside Schrodinger's box and actually understanding <laughs> <laughs> where these decisions are coming from. Well, you, you know, so. g- genuinely, it, it really is. It, it's it's quite it's quite thrilling. I mean, you know, I I I, I, I don't. I don't talk to my friends about this too much, actually. They probably think it's slightly on. But it is, if you're an economist and you want to understand how the economy works, um, the, the person who asks in many respects are, are CFOs. Um, so, yeah, this, I mean, we say this every quarter, but this one will be an especially, I think, important survey because we want to judge whether this, what looks like a very, very strong recovery, whether it's going to get, you know whether it's going to gain momentum. Um, you know, my my guess is it is, but we 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 we're looking for confirmation from this survey. Awesome. So w- when you're, you know, you're sort of in terms, we look back at sort of last quarter's survey, and you were talking about sort of the challenges. So we mentioned obviously inflation becoming potentially becoming more. What other sort of challenges are CFOs currently facing, or say they're facing? Um, what's in sort of the top five or six um, pieces that you know that that's on their minds at the moment? Well, I mean, the, the, the dominant concern, of course, is around the, the, the pandemic and the, you know, the managing, um, the transition, uh, you know, out away from the, 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 the pandemic. Um, there is, uh, continued concern about sort of geopolitics, um, and the, the kind of, I think, you know, for, for, for several years, there's been a lot of concern about the, uh, kind of global environment in a world which seems less predictable and less stable, partly because of politics. And in some respects, I, you know, I think one might argue that Brexit and, um, Donald Trump's election were, you know, symptomatic of that, that rather less predictable world that we've had to get, get used to. So that's been, you know, that, that, that's, sounds like an incredibly high level thing. But if you're running a business, it can have all sorts of effects. On you know the, the, you know your 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 own your own business, um, I think there is a there's a a, a kind of long term concern um, about uh, productivity. So how do you raise productivity or the efficiency of of business? Um, so how do you, you know, how how can we make businesses and economies grow faster? Than, than they, they, they have in the, um, in, in, in the past. Um, and there's also, I mean, we talked about inflation, but I think there is, you know, 
what, what, what we've seen in the last 12 years is governments printing an awful lot of money uh, through quantitative easing. We've seen very low interest rates. And that means that asset prices, so the price of houses, of equities, of commodities, of government bonds, have risen a lot. And there are, there's concern about a kind of bubble, yeah, that we may end up with a bubble in in in, in some of these the, these markets. Um, you know, when, when bubbles burst, there is a lot of well, we we saw this obviously with um, in the financial crisis, we also saw it in the dot 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 com period. So I think the you know CFOs, I think he, I mean the, even in the short time, relatively short time I've been at Deloitte, I think the role of CFO. Um, in the UK has has changed, and it's become the, the CFO tends to be the person um, on boards and in leadership who do an awful lot of thinking about the way in which the external events affect their business. So you know, we saw when when Brexit unexpectedly, you know, we, we got unexpectedly got the uh, you know the referendum results. Within companies, it tended to be the CFO who had to take the lead and, you know, build teams to look at it. And similarly, during the financial crisis, CFOs were absolutely, because they were guardians, they, they are the guardians of companies' balance sheets and in a world, in a liquidity crisis, credit crunch, um, they're on the front line. And it's been the same with the pandemic. So, you know, what, what we find in our conversations with CFOs is that Often we're talking about, you know, things way beyond the immediate business because they are really interested in understanding is, you know, is there going to be a UK US trade deal? Because it matters to their business. You know, that they're interested in understanding how will governments um, deal with the problem of huge levels of debt? Because if it involves higher taxation, they're the person who are going to have to deal with it. So, from the, is there, there's an interesting kind of connection, I think, between um, what we as economists do and what C, the role of CFO, the role that CFOs increasingly have assumed within organisations. It's an interesting piece there, isn't there? About because obviously the CFO role seems to be growing in you know in terms of what they're covering. You know, very often they're taking responsibility, obviously for risk management, for mm, obviously yeah. finance. You expect that, but that sounds more if they're taking such a bigger role. They're not just obviously the the market strategy and the internal productivity and development piece, but also the wider. Um, you know, the wider landscape outside of their existing markets and how that could impact. And has that always sat within the CFO role in your experience or is it becoming more centralised within that role? I think it's becoming, um, I, I think it, it, it's become more prominent. And I think that, you know, the, the traditional role of the CFO is obviously focused on um, uh, steward of the uh, of, of the company's finances. I think they... Now that the role increasingly encompasses things, as you say, uh, like like uh, you know risk risk management, um, a kind of understanding of uh, the external environment, macroeconomic, um, political, financial, um, and actually often representing the business to the to the outside world. So. In a lot of the discussions we have with boards, it's it's interesting that the CFO is the person who, you know, has often got the most challenge and the most questions for us as 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 economists. And I think, you know, a lot of boards, when 
something big comes along, like the euro crisis, there's a kind of an assumption that, yeah, we turn to the CFO that, that they'll they'll tell us what it means for 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 us. Um, and so I think you know the the the, the idea of a, a, a CFO you know focusing just on um, the finances, I think that that that's now quite a. Or, or, or I, I mean, the, the, yeah, I mean, they are focused on the finances, but actually, it's the effect of all sorts of external events, and of course, um, most importantly, the operation of the business on the finances. So, I think it has a lot in common with strategy, um, and you know, areas like 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 risk management, macroeconomics. Um, so, it's a it's a very broad broad role. And in some respect, I mean, I. I, I hesitate to say this, but in some respects, I think you often see it is the CFO who ends up as becoming the chief executive. We, we know an awful lot of CFOs who make that um, make that transition. Um, so they're in a lot of organisations, I think they tend to be sort of de facto the number two in the business. It's interesting you say that because there is a growing trend of CFOs shifting into that CEO role from latest data I've seen. And certainly it's interesting. Um, there's some, some comments around it saying that it's actually due to the current crisis. And obviously during crises, um, that person is seen as a safe pair of hands. But I think it's really interesting your comment about whether there's a wider piece about the level of responsibility they're currently being given and whether that's having an impact or whether they're seen as more suitable for that that CEO role as well. Yeah, I, I, I think so. And I think if you, I mean, clearly the CFO and the CEO are highly, highly complementary and, and work, tend to work close, closely together. But I think in many respects, um, CFOs are doing things which in the past would probably have been more the focus of, of the CEO on their own or in concert with um, other people, perhaps not on, on, on the board. So I, I think it's probably become a broad, well, I, I think it has become a broader and a probably more challenge, challenging mandate um, and, and, and possibly, and, and therefore um, a, a, a kind of pathway to the top of businesses. Absolutely. And, and I guess with that, you were talking about how you're, you know, it's the CFO you're normally that's asking more questions about the, the wider, the wider outlook. Is that, is that as do you think as a proportion of what they're looking at, if they, you know, if you sort of chunk it down into what are the considerations they're making, do you think that's taking up a larger amount of the time or is it just that you're seeing more questions coming through? I, I'll tell you what, I, I think CFOs have got the same problem that economists have got, which is that um, we, we, prior to the financial crisis, so go, you know, go, go back 12 years, prior to the financial crisis, we appeared, we were living in a world which um, appeared to be, uh, well, it was in many respects more stable um, and predictable um, than for very many decades. And we were in a world of of strong growth low interest rates, independent central banks, where a a kind of model of how we ran run countries and economies um appeared to be gaining gaining ground. It was you know the Soviet Union collapsed um you, you in well, earlier the Soviet Union had collapsed. China entered the global trading system and joined the World Trade Organization. And it looked as though you know kind of Western liberal 
um, model was was kind of triumphant, and it, that was generating a kind of incredibly benign, predictable world. And you know that meant that I mean, I tell you, as an economist at Merrill Lynch, I would sometimes come across clients at that time who would say, "I don't want to talk about economics because it's so predictable. There, we we just don't need to have this conversation." That was yeah, that wasn't good for me, <laughs> um, but. <laughs> That, that, you know, so they were saying, well, there's not, there's not much volatility. That changed. Volatility came back in a really big way. And I don't think anyone would say the post-financial crisis world has been predictable or easy to navigate. And that's not just a problem for economists, it's a problem for lots of people. But I think within organizations, CFOs have had to process that volatility and deal with a set of challenges you know, Britain leaving the European Union. I mean, America electing Donald Trump, a pandemic, a, a, a deep financial crisis, a, a euro crisis, which at one stage seemed likely to take some members of the euro area out of the single currency. I mean, these are things that these were seen as sort of textbook issues, the things that we weren't going to have to deal with. And I think it's been CFOs who've been on the front line of this. And I think that's that, that volatility. And unpredictability has fed into the challenges facing businesses. And I think in, often it's been CFOs who have had to deal with it. Raise your game with Sage Intact. Bring down your close time by up to 79%. Use agile real-time reporting for instant visibility. Land an average ROI of 250%. With the heavyweight cloud software rated number one for customer satisfaction. Finance that packs a punch. Find out more from ITAS, the UK Sage and Tech Partner of the Year, at itassolutions.co.uk. And it's interesting you talking about, so in quick succession, we've had some really challenging events with, you know, not just in the UK economy, but in the world economy. Um, do you think it's made um, CFOs and I guess businesses in general more aware of that the, the, the things that you never thought could happen can um, and do you think it's changed where they focus their efforts generally and, you know, how they manage risk as well? I, I, I think it has, yes. I think that, um, you know, it, it, so, so the, the world, the old world, the pre-pandemic, the, sorry, the pre-financial crisis world, um, it was characterised as the great moderation. So this is a term that was used by by economists, and it meant, you know, it was a sort of stable uh, you know, world which was 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 relatively easy to navigate, and in that kind of world, I think if you're running a business, you could spend most of your time thinking about your business. <laughs> and in the last twelve years, you've had to have a handle on all sorts of, you know, the, the implication for your business of you know, increasing protectionism globally, of um, you know, huge moves in commodity prices, of things like deflation, um, and so. I, I think it has, boards are talking more about these issues. I, I, I can't tell you the number of times I go and talk to boards about exactly these issues. Um, and I think that would not have been happening 15, 20 years ago because that, that was just less relevant. Um, and I think that you can see in the behavior of companies that across the West today, businesses are running much higher levels of cash. And I mean, that's partly because of the tech sector, but not, not, not wholly 
together with the, to, to do with the tech sector. But I think one of the reasons that comfort businesses have tended to run high levels of cash is just because they're dealing with a more uncertain world. And cash is a, a kind of buffer against that um, uncertainty. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think also, and we, we, there's, there's, there's a lot of evidence from this, uh, on this from the Great Depression, that um, leaders, um, business leaders who experience big shocks, it changes the way they think about running their businesses. It means that they are have an awareness that things that um, people have not been through such shocks, you know, they, they don't believe they could, they are possible. And you know, no, no CFO now is is going to start the year when they're looking at the risk register without having you know the risk of a, a pandemic. You know, featuring within that, you know, it's gone from being a a, a distant possibility to something which is 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 very real. Um, so I think it has really profound implications for risk management, for how businesses are run, um, and for how you think about how you build a safe business, a resilient business, to deal with you know what in macroeconomic terms is a, a less uh, you know more volatile world. It would be really interesting to to be able to pull out those risk registers from maybe two years ago to understand how many actually had pandemics on the list. And, yeah. I, and I bet you those that didn't are are. I've uh, uh, definitely added them in. Their no, that, so. Well, yeah, you, you know what, I mean, I, I, look, I put my hand up. I mean, we, we, at the beginning of every year, we look at we think about risks, and we were not saying in January of 2020, oh, you know, pandemic. We all knew that a pandemic, there, there was a risk of a pandemic in the same way that there was, you know, there, there, there'd be a risk of, um, you know, terrible natural disasters. But they were seen as being relatively, you know, they're, they're very high impact, low probability events. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I tell the, my, my team, I say to them, uh, you know, much younger than me, I say, you know, I have to say, this has been a very um, unpredictable, uh, you know, macro in economic terms, a, a difficult environment. But actually, for learning about how economies um, operate and for understanding the world, this has been an astonishing, um, you know, astonishing experience. And I think it will, I think it will have a lasting effect on how we think about risk. Um, and I don't necessarily think, I don't think it should mean that companies are and individuals are permanently risk averse, but it just means that I think we have to have a, um, a, a more kind of complete understanding of risk. Um, and I, I, I think it also demonstrates the value of contingency planning, um, and being able to react and move, move quickly. So for those CFOs listening, because we talked a lot about how that CFO role has changed and perhaps from an education perspective, that's not necessary. So obviously people are learning on the job, but, you know, we're, we're all learning how to deal with the pandemic. Let's be perfectly honest. So when you're speaking to CFOs, how 
is there, are they talking about how they're developing and what they're watching, what sources they're using to work through some of these kinds of questions? And, and have you noticed a shift or a change in what people are doing or how they're almost keeping an eye on things mm. um, as, as we go through, no, not just this pandemic, but over the last sort of year and this, this risk and volatility? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm a huge consumer of, of data and information. It's, it, it's my job. And I would observe that um, the arrival or the end of the great moderation, this 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 kind of era of unpredictability, um, has coincided with a you know revolution in terms of the dissemination of information through through the internet and the availability of information. So if you want to follow any subject, it is. I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding you. It, it, Compared to when I started at Merrill Lynch, it is a hundred times easier. Yeah, data are available immediately. Um, yeah, and, and actually data sets are available. There are a plethora of sources which are available, you know, for free. You can, you know, get on Twitter and you can find out what some of the leading economists are saying about the latest, um, inflation numbers at, um, one minute past seven on Wednesday as I was. Um, so I, I think there's a kind of abundance of information and data. I think the problem is filtering it. I mean, CFOs don't have, you know, they're, they're, they're not economists. They're, they're, this is something they've got to be across without spending their um, time doing it and finding um, sources and people who are worth, worth following. And I mean, I, you know, they're, they're obvious, they're obvious things like the Financial Times or, 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 or the, or the economist. Um, there are also some incredible blogs um, and data sources. I mean, one one which I will mention because I think it is a noble venture is something called Our World in Data, which is run from Oxford University, and it is the most astonishing collection of data on pretty much any subject you can think of. Um, but there's a huge amount of data there on the pandemic, and we have followed it um, avidly. Um, you know, central bank websites have got amazing data on them. I mean, I, I, I would modestly say <laughs> that, um, I, uh, that, that we, 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 I write a weekly note, which goes to about 30,000 clients, uh, just a, a very short email, maybe 800 words called the Monday briefing. And what we're trying to do is thinking about people whose job it is not to think about economics. They're actually doing real jobs like running, running businesses. What is it they need to know? And, you know, can we cut through all the noise to say something about, I mean, this week we're writing about the future of capital spending and technology. And could the pandemic be a trigger for a uh, revival in productivity? And so, you know, you know we, we do that. We get, it goes out every Monday. But there, there are a lot of people doing this. So I, I think the thing is you've got to find the, the, the right things to follow for for you, and I would recognise also that um, this is a you know, a very small part of, um, but an important part of what CFOs need to be able to to do. It's interesting, isn't it? Like how 
how on top we talk about obviously the role shifting and growing but actually that concept of how do you keep on top of everything that's changing when things are changing at such a rapid rate um, and that's something you know when I'm speaking to people they're talking about how decision making time frames are shifting and how quickly they need to access information and the, there's, there's an interesting conundrum at the moment it's how much time can you actually dedicate to like you say sifting through the data and sifting through the latest information yeah um, at this time I, th- I think I think the other thing, Hannah, is, and I, I actually just on a, we haven't talked about this as sort of future officers. The other thing that I find incredibly useful is talking to my colleagues who are not economists. Well, I've got a team who are economists, but my colleagues who are not economists, finding out what is happening in the healthcare and pharmaceutical sector, or in consumer business, um, or in the public sector. So, uh, a lot of the ideas that we have come from conversations we 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 have and they're they're kind of serendipity you know somebody somebody will mention something so i and obviously cfos are, are plugged into an incredibly wide network so i think a lot of their intelligence will be directly derived rather than through through secondary sources but i mean that, that that's that's more of a challenge in a world of remote working <laughs> Yes, and it'll be interesting to understand um, once we come out of this, um, where that CFO, how CFOs see their role changing in terms of remote working as well. And whether, like you say, you know, those those water cooler conversations with the head of commercial or head of product, etc., whether whether they actually they miss they've missed that over the, the duration of the pandemic and what impact that could have. Um, in terms of you know remote working for for senior execs as well, I, I think so. And actually, uh, 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 there's also another huge question, which is just what does remote working mean for the success of the business and for the efficiency of the business? And I think the CFO will end up, you know, being you know that. I mean, it's it's, it's relatively straightforward to say how much money could we save by closing an office, but the long-term effect on of remote working in organizations which have not done it at scale i think is a really really interesting interesting question and it clearly we are in you know this is new territory i mean there's no there's no clear clear model but in i, I think that, you know, the, the pandemic has left us with lots of conundrums and questions and this question of how to make work work for organizations and individuals is, is is one of the really big ones yeah and i think one of the i guess from a data perspective the challenge is also how do you measure it because there's so many different models even within the concept of remote working you know part of you know flexi um working versus obviously full remote um based on locations you know whether they've got multi-country offices etc so that's an for me that that's where I, I feel it gets really complex is that it's not just about you know are you working remotely and does that have an impact on the success of the business it's also about the type of remote working and, and guess depending on function as well it opens up so many questions yes yeah a- a- absolutely and and how crucial um i think for most organizations um the you know face to face interaction uh relationships um developing talent um the uh, generating of ideas is and you know as an economist you know theoretically i could i could do my job sitting in shanghai or you know areas but 
actually the networks I have in London are really, really important. And, um, you know, we, I'm very interested in this whole area of how you get some sort of blended, uh, type of working, which actually does, does work. Um, because I, I, to me, the question is if, if something could be done in Tunbridge Wells rather than an office in London, um, then why couldn't it be done on the other side of the world? Um, so I think it's really, this is a question economists have wrestled with for a long time, understanding about the nature of work and all the different aspects of a job and where, where they can be, uh, where they can be done. Absolutely. Well, I'll certainly be following uh, what you guys are doing around that because it does, it's, it's, it sounds fascinating. And also, I guess what would be amazing to understand is the impact that that then has on the economies and the, you know, the future of cities. And, and, and again, you know, it just goes out from there, doesn't it, really? So, um, but I want to say massive thank you, Ian, um, for coming, you know, for coming on the show. So our listeners, um, if they're anything like me, will be wanting to know how, how we can find out more about the work that you and your team are doing and obviously about the regular blog that you mentioned. So what's the best way to sort of learn more about the work that you guys are doing and what should they be following? Oh, well, um, I mean, very easy. Just um, Google Deloitte Monday Briefing um, and if you're interested, you're very welcome to sign up for the subscription page. It's a it's a it's a short email, um, and you can see some of the examples. Some you know our, re- our recent ones there. So people are very very welcome to, uh, to 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 sign up there. Brilliant. So for those that are listening, I will of course pop that link in the uh, in in the show notes. Um, so if you're lucky to join, you don't. Yeah, you can find it nice and easy. So thank you so much, Ian. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show and very much looking forward to the next edition of the survey um, and seeing if, if your predictions are true for, for what you what you think is coming up. <laughs> well, thank you very much for having me, Hannah. It's lovely to find somebody who's interested in the CFO survey um, and you know, <laughs> happily come back at some stage. So, yeah, thanks for having me. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. And we'd love to have you back on once you get the results in. And yeah, we can uh, we'll chat through what you found. Okay. So, but yeah, thank you so much. Thanks.